History of the Holy Roman Empire, the Age of Charlemagne, Part 1, Italy before Charlemagne and Desiderius. Now there was an ever-increasing gulf between the emperors of Constantinople and the Roman subjects in Italy. The Franks had already become the protectors of the Pope. Its kingdom was a federate of the Roman Empire, and its king was both patrician and consul. Events of the East, coupled with the increasing hostility of the Lombards, all but ensured that the Roman Empire would be divided. Contrary to views put forth by some, Roman Empire was not becoming a Frankish one, but rather the Frankish Empire was becoming a Roman one. Franks had long since adopted Roman customs, laws, religion. Under Clovis, centuries earlier, Roman laws replaced the older order. Clovis's conversion not only made the Franks Christian, but Roman as well. They were still barbarians at heart, but so were the ancient Romans. No great emperor of the ancient Roman Empire could ever truly claim to be more just than the Franks. The butchery and the brutality of the ancient Romans is often forgiven because they were pagans, while the hypocrisy of the Franks is touted by virtue of their Christian faith. But as a historian, it is prudent to simply relate the facts, and the fact is that the Franks were a were little different from the Romans they became. In 768, Pope Paul I lay dying. The papal office had become the temporal throne of Rome as well as the spiritual one. The appearance of the papal states awarded by Pepin further enhanced the political power of the papacy, and many a politician was aware of this. With Paul's death imminent, the election of a new pope could hold significant advantage. A certain Duke Toto was particularly interested in securing a papal puppet, and so upon Paul's death he proclaimed his brother Constantine pope and backed it up with armed soldiers who secured the Lateran, which is the first papal palace. Immediately, the Lombards saw their opportunity to exploit the situation and retake much of the land lost when Pepin had seized it. But they would do this through political savvy rather than military prowess. The people were furious that a pope could be appointed and installed by military troops, so the chief notary, eager to oust Constantine, agreed to a pact with the Duke of Spoleto and the Lombard king Desiderius. Having no doubt heard of the pact, Constantine wrote to Pepin and begged him to help. But Pepin appears to have been silent. There is little doubt that Pepin would have had sympathies with the detractors of Constantine, for he had clearly usurped the papal throne and had no right to sit there. But even if Pepin had planned to protect Constantine, only a month had passed since the Pope's ascension before the Lombards would intervene. Had Pepin desired to enter the fray, he would not have had time to arrive. Pepin's death at the same year would cause Rome simply to wait. At the end of July 768, less than a month after Constantine had taken the throne, the Lombard troops entered Rome and a battle raged. The Duke Toto died in the battle and Constantine fled only to be caught and imprisoned. Constantine's eyes were later put out by a mob at the monastery where he was to remain a prisoner for the rest of his life. The Lombards now sought to establish their own puppet king named Philip. Now a certain Christopher, who had made the pact with the Lombards, protested that this was never a part of the deal and left Rome refusing allegiance. The people of Rome again became furious, but Philip protested that he had been forced to take the post and had no true desires to maintain it. He quietly retired to a monastery to appease the public. With Philip removed, Christopher and the bishops then conducted a proper election which placed Stephen III, sometimes considered Stephen IV, on the throne. But he too was supposed to be a puppet. 
Christopher had been the champion of the people in his desire to install a duly elected pope, but he secretly harbored the desire to make this new pope his pawn. In the meantime, it was necessary to secure Stephen's claim to the throne. Papal legate was immediately sent to Charlemagne and his brother Carloman, who had become co-regents after their father Pepin's death. The purpose was not only to secure Frankish support, but also to accept the appointment of Frankish bishops that would further create ties to the Franks and ensure the mutual friendship of the two. The alliance would only further disturb the Lombard king, Desiderius. The principal situation in Rome demanded action. He had hoped to secure more power in Rome, but knew his limitations. Charlemagne was well aware of the Lombard position and suggested that a marriage alliance would benefit them both. Desiderius agreed to surrender certain lands to the Pope in exchange for his daughter, Bertrada, who was given to Charlemagne as his wife in 770. At the same time, however, Desiderius was negotiating a secret pact with Pope Stephen. Stephen had become agitated with his advisor, Christopher, who had tried to turn him into his mouthpiece when Desiderius was seeking more control of Rome. It was therefore agreed that Desiderius's chamberlain, Afriata, would become Stephen's chief aide and advisor if Christopher was put out of the way. Christopher's murder quickly reached the ears of Charlemagne, and Stephen was equally quick to write to him that Christopher had plotted against his life. Charlemagne, however, was an intelligent man and not easily fooled. He sent men to ascertain exactly what had happened, and when it was found that Afrata was Stephen's advisor, he renounced his new Lombard bride, Bertrada, and eventually enmity between the Lombards and the Franks ensued. So as we can see, Pope is not really a Pope, it's really just a political pawn. Now upon the death of Pepin the Short, we have to go back a little bit for Desiderius, Upon the death of Pepin the Short, the lands of the Franks were divided between his two sons, Carloman and Charles, later known as Charlemagne, or Carlos Magnus, both meaning Charles the Great. The two had shared power until Carloman died in 771, less than three years after their coronation. Carloman's widow demanded that his heirs take the throne, but Charlemagne ignored these demands, preferring to keep the Frankish kingdom united under his sole authority. However, Carloman's widow was not easily denied. Normally what would happen in a Frankish kingdom is when father died, and this is true in all property, it's, his land is automatically divided equally between the sons. And this has happened periodically in the Frankish king's situation. So what Charlemagne did is a little bit different. But at any rate, Carloman's widow found an ally in Desiderius. The separation of Batrata from Charlemagne created more enmity between the two kingdoms, and Desiderius was more than pleased to assist in setting up rivals to Charlemagne's rule. After reaching a pact with Carloman's heirs, Desiderius was prepared to order the Pope to crown Carloman's heirs, thus usurping Charlemagne's authority. But Stephen died before this could occur. In January of 772, Pope Stephen IV was dead, and the newly elected Pope, Hadrian I, was not willing to bow to Desiderius' will. After Hadrian's consecration, he granted amnesty to many of the oppressed people of Rome, whom Afrata had victimized and even succeeded in having Afrata arrested. These offenses then aggravated Desiderius, but he was not in a position to make Hadrian his enemy. He made it known that he was willing to overlook the transgressions if Pope Hadrian would help him set up rivals to Charlemagne's throne. In the meantime, the Lombards were tightening their grip on cities throughout Italy and further oppressing its people. Hadrian was well aware of the subtle threats, but unwavering in his stance. 
He refused to crown Charlemagne's rivals and continued to speak out against the brutality of the Lombards. Hadrian also dispatched messengers to Charlemagne requesting his assistance. When it became obvious that Pope Hadrian would not cede to Desiderius's plans, Desiderius besieged the city of Rome. It was not long after, however, when he heard that Charlemagne had received Hadrian's message and was marching towards Italy. Desiderius immediately abandoned his siege of Rome and retreated to Pavia, the Lombard capital, where he prepared to become besieged. In September of 773, Charlemagne arrived and the siege of Pavia began. The siege, like most of the Middle Ages, promised to last a year or more, so Charlemagne, during the interim, went to Rome for Easter, where he met Pope Hadrian and promised to grant more land to the Papal States. In all, almost three-quarters of Italy was promised to the Pope, although Spoleto and a few other regions would soon be lost. In June of 774, the fate of Pavia was assured, and Desiderius surrendered. The siege was lifted, and Desiderius was banished, while Charlemagne was crowned King of the Lombards. He was now the king of the Franks and the Lombards, as well as a patrician of Rome. He was not yet, however, emperor of Rome. What Charlemagne was, was the master of Europe. Only the Saxons and Muslim Spain eluded Charles's grip, but his reign and the process was just becoming. So next time we're going to have to look at the administration and the character of Charlemagne as we move a little bit closer to the event of him being crowned the Holy Roman Emperor. Now the sources for this, this is Religion and the Holy Roman Empire by Ferguson, Before France and Germany by Gary, The Oxford History of Medieval Europe by Holmes, The Papal Encyclopedia by Bunsen, The Capetian Kings of France, 987 to 1328 by Butler and Adams, French History, Volume 1 by Guizot, Barbarian Invasions by Delbruck, Early Germans by Todd, and The Rise and Fall of the Holy Roman Empire by Criswell. So I hope you enjoyed that, and as always, don't forget to come by the website, summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com, and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise, and if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.